God has already done something great, but I also believe that God has something else that He wants to do today. As much as God has already moved and ministered, I feel like that there's some people that God would like to speak to today and that He would like to to challenge us and to challenge our hearts and our minds. There's some people here today that God's not done with. There's some people here today that God has a plan and a destiny and a purpose. And you might be fighting God a little bit. You might be arguing with God a little bit. But God's going to change that today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I have this morning a message that's going to maybe seem a little bit odd for this this environment, but I believe that God has done exactly what He's wanted to do so far and that He has a purpose for the end of this service. It's going to be a journey to get there. Will you go along with me? Will you take this journey? It will be a little bit of a journey to get to where we're going. But I want you to hang with me today. Thank you, Casey, and our praise team. There was a song that I was originally going to ask her to sing before I got up to preach. But the music schedule was set, and so I didn't bother her to try to rearrange that. But it couldn't have been better. The comments so far today, the songs, all three of them have been perfect. I give honor today to Pastor and Sister Murphy. Thank you for this opportunity to speak to such a wonderful, wonderful group of of people, a wonderful congregation. And I am thankful that we resurrected He Is Here. That's an incredible song. I love that song. Thank you, Michelle, for singing such a great, doing such a great job with it. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 16. Very familiar scripture setting. Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 15. The Bible says, and he said unto them, go. Everybody say go. Go. Say go ye into all of the world. All of the world. And what did he say to do when you get there? He said preach. Preach the gospel to every creature. Boy, our world's full of some creatures, isn't it? I heard somebody say one time, the world is like a box of cereals full of nuts, fruits, and flakes. (laughs) There's a lot of creatures out there, but all of them, all of them need to hear the gospel. Praise the Lord. And the Bible continues on saying, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful promise. One more time this morning, let's give the Lord a hand clap and an ovation of praise 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. As you're seated this morning, I want to speak to you for a few minutes on reasons to reach. Reasons to reach. The Great Commission. The words that Jesus spoke just before his ascent back into the heavenly realms. It has challenged believers for over 2,000 years to reach beyond themselves and take the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. This commission or this assignment did not have limitations, neither did it have parameters. In the scripture reading that we just read, Jesus simply said, go. It's an action word. It's a commandment. He said, go into all the world. And when you get there, I want you to to act again. I want you to do another action, and that is to preach to every creature. John Wesley said it this way. You have one business on earth, and that is to save souls. The phrase, and I know I'm jumping right into this this morning without much of an introduction. My introduction's actually in a minute. So I told you it was odd, so just bear with me. The phrase, all the world, propels us past the confines of our local assembly. It it propels us past our immediate community and even our geographic area. All of the world, when, the, when Jesus said to preach to all of the world and to go into all of the world, it does not allow us as the Christian church to stop within the boundaries of our political agreement. Neither can we stop in the boundaries of our economic class or our ethnic preference or any other of the litanies of divisions that our society has in its place today. God sent His only begotten Son, John 3.16 records, because He loved the world. He loved everybody in it. He loved you. He loved me. He loved your neighbor. He loved your friend. He loved your family, your sons, your daughters, your mama, your daddy, grandma, and grandpa, and that old uncle that nobody loves. Jesus Christ loves the world. As the church of God, We must love people regardless of who they are and regardless of what they've been. We must love people regardless of who they are and regardless of what they've been. The the world, we must love the world. We must give of our time, our talent, and our ability to see the world come to know who Jesus Christ is. We have been commissioned. Jesus said, go into all the world. Dr. David Livingstone, the great missionary, said, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by the heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Uh, Let that sink in for just a minute. 
We should consider it an honor, not a sacrifice to reach out to our neighbor. Our mindset should be, I get to reach out to my neighbor today. I get to speak to a co-worker today. Not I have to. Not Brother Merrill said I should. Not because they keep preaching it. But there's a passion that rises up uh, on the inside of each one of us uh, that says, I've got a friend next door. I've got a neighbor next door. There's somebody that's a co-worker and they need Jesus. Christ like I found Jesus Christ they need what I've got and it's up to me to impart that to them and to give it to them hallelujah let's clap our hands this morning to Jesus hallelujah 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 Martin Niemöller was a German Lutheran pastor who narrowly escaped execution in the concentration camps during World War II After the war was over, he was quoted as saying this. He's actually now well known for this statement. He said, and I quote, In Germany, the Nazis came for the communists. But I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for the unionists. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. And then they came for the Catholics, but I didn't speak up because I was Protestant. And then they came for me, and by that time, there was no one left to speak up for me. If there is ever a time, today is the day that a world needs a church to champion the causes of the souls of humanity. There must be a church that is on fire There must be a church that is passionate about the souls of lost people. All around the world there are people who have been abandoned, they've been abused, they've been unloved, and they've been tossed away. They have lost hope and they have lost their future. And these are the reasons why we must reach. We must reach for them with all the love and all the passion and all the determination that we can. This morning if there are some here that that describes you, the abused, the unloved, the tossed away. I want you to hear me this morning. Please hear me. I want to speak, if I can this morning, a few words of life. There's a great song that says, Speak Life. How many of you have heard that? Most of the church has heard it and three people said amen. Amen. I want us to buy into that message. Speak life. When you talk to your neighbor, don't tell them how bad your life's been. You start telling them how awesome God is. When your co-worker comes in and says, I got marital problems, don't say, I understand, brother. I'm married to an old bag myself. You tell them how God can bring people together and unify. Speak life to people. There's enough negative in our world. There's enough horror in our world. There's enough people bringing people down. Speak life. So this morning, if it is possible, I would like to speak life to somebody here. You are not worthless. You are not worthless. Neither are you unloved because Jesus Christ loves you. And I want to tell you something else. Grace Church loves you just the way you are, who you are, with whatever you've been. It doesn't matter. We love you this morning. 
Hallelujah, you're not here by accident. But I believe that God orchestrated this moment for you. I told you we're going somewhere, it's just going to be a journey. I believe that God has orchestrated this day for you. Because God loves you so much that he has given you this opportunity to know him. He wants you to find freedom from the situation that you're going through. He wants you to discover your true life purpose to give you meaning and purpose in your life. And through, through mercy and grace, he's going to redeem your past so you can make a difference in the life of somebody else. Uh, it's his love. It's all encompassing. It's all encompassing. It doesn't, it's not limited. Today, God is reaching for you. God is reaching for you. One of the most tragic scriptures in the Bible, in my opinion, was penned by King David during a very difficult time in his life. It's found in Psalms 142 in verse 4. He said, I looked to my right hand and beheld, and there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. David at this time is being pursued by King Saul who wanted to kill him. He was sitting in a cave with some over 600 soldiers when he wrote these words. He was surrounded by good men. They were valiant men. They were willing to sacrifice their time, their money, their comfort, their families, and they were even willing to go to the point where they would sacrifice their lives for him. They cared for his safety. They cared for his life. They cared for his provision. They cared for his protection. They even cared for his kingdom, but they did not care for his soul. Our society is full of well-trained doctors that care for our health. We have lawyers that defend our rights. We have bankers that care for our money, teachers that care for education, insurance professionals that protect us from the perils of life. The government spends multiplied billions of dollars on defense, but who cares for the soul of people that are walking on this terra firma? It is the church's responsibility, and that responsibility falls on me, but it also falls on you uh, as a child of God to care for the souls of humanity. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands again. I want to challenge you this morning, if you were not here this past Wednesday night, to go back and listen to the lesson that Brian Tear taught. It's a tool, you can use it. It will help you to reach. It will help you to reach. So there's, there's three reasons this morning that I want to talk about reasons to reach. The first one is found in Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, Now it came in the past in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went and sojourned in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion. They were Ephraites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, and Elimelech Naomi's husband, died. 
and she was left and her two sons, and they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpha and the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the women was left of her two sons and her husband. The first reason to reach is to reach forward, and you'll understand that more in just a moment. Reach forward. It's the, it's the same principle that we have on the screen, behind the, the sign behind us to reach in, to reach forward. Reach forward. Over the years, life has given most of us an excuse or a supposed excuse to sideline ourselves when it comes to reaching. And one of the most prevalent reasons that that we face is the feelings that we have associated with our past. Well, it's true. The past and the feelings that we have associated with it so oftentimes is what prohibits us from reaching. Feelings of guilt, feelings of shame, feelings of humiliation, The list goes on and on. It reminds us. It's a constant voice in the back of our mind that continually nags and reminds us of a less than stellar past. You remember when you did such and such. You remember when you failed to do this. And and all of these things continually nag and, 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 and plague our minds. But in the first verse of of Ruth, chapter 1, it tells us that Naomi and her family left Israel because of a famine. Now, God had made them a promise, and he said, don't worry about it. I'm going to always take care of you. But they left because of a famine. Ruth lost her faith. In verse 2, the Bible says they went to Moab, a place where they shouldn't have been. She lost her way. In verse 3, Naomi's husband died. She lost security and provision. In verse 4, she took sons for, uh, wives for her sons from Moab, which they were forbidden to do according to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 and 4. So she lost communion with God because of disobedience. In verse 5, she loses her sons, so she lost her future. I'm trying to paint a picture of what Naomi went through. In fact, Naomi sums it up herself in Ruth chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. She said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. When you call me, call me not Naomi, seeing the Lord has testified against me. The Almighty hath afflicted me. The word here, Mara, when she said, call me Mara, just means bitter. I'm bitter, people. I'm a bitter at God. I'm bitter with life. I'm bitter with what has been. I've failed God. I've lost my faith. I've lost my future. I've lost it all. So just call me bitter. Just call me bitter. Don't call me blessed. I'm back at the church. I'm back in the children of in the land of Israel, and back with the children of God, but I'm bitter because of my past, what I've lost, the bad decision that I made, the circumstance that came. It hasn't been good, and so now I've allowed this spirit 
and this mind to creep into me and she said, I'm bitter. But through all of this, and this is what I want you to hear, through all of this, Naomi had planted a seed. She had done something right. She didn't see it yet. But through all of her past, when she got ready to leave Moab, she tried to send her daughter's laws away and Ruth would not go. We understand that. But I want you to listen to Ruth's response. In, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Somehow in everything that Ruth had done, in all of the bad that had come to her life, she was still able to to talk about God in a way that this little Moabite woman said, I want to serve that God. It sounds like somebody I want to get to know. I want to have a relationship with him. Ruth, I've seen how bad your life is, but it doesn't matter. You talk about this God, and I want to know him. I want to tell you this morning, your past doesn't determine your future. Your past doesn't negate your future. God has a power and a place for you, and because of your past, you can reach somebody. What a statement Ruth made. What a statement Ruth made. I want your God to be my God. I want to tell you this morning, God will not remove your past, but he will redeem it for you and reissue it to you as a testimony of his ability. I want to say it again. God's not going to remove your past. Don't expect that to happen. But he'll redeem it for you. And then he'll reissue it to you as a testimony. And you can take that testimony to the highways and the byways. And you can preach to people and all of the world. And tell them, let me tell you what my God has done for me. Let me tell you the power of God. Let me tell you what God is able to do. Because you've got a testimony that used to be a past. Hallelujah, let's worship him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You haven't been good enough at being bad to remove or negate or take away what God wants you to do. You didn't hear me. So I'm going to say it again. Some of these things I'm going to keep saying until you get it. You haven't been good enough at being bad to make God say, I can't use you, and I can't use you, and I can't use you. God says my blood will cover all of that, and you're my child, and I'm going to send you into the world, and you're going to go to that place you just came from, and you're going to preach an all-powerful gospel of Jesus Christ, and you're going to win the world. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands again. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Your past hasn't destroyed you, but it's prepared you. You're here this morning, you're not destroyed. It's you're just prepared. Stop looking at it, the past and going, oh God. And start saying, oh God, let me take it. Let me have it, God. Let me have my past and let me go into the world and preach a gospel. 
pastor in his first sermon in 2017 made this statement, and it's so true, and I want you to hear it again. No matter what you've done in the past, your future is spotless. Reach for the future. Reach forward. Reach forward. Reach forward. Praise the name of the Lord. I mentioned Brother Byron's Bible study this past Wednesday night. If you weren't here when Sister Casey taught the Wednesday night before, go listen to it on how to use your talent. You need to hear that. It's good stuff. She did a great job. Both of them did. Matthew 25, verse 26, the second reason to reach. The Bible says, and this is the scripture setting that Casey used, and I want to take it a little bit different place. The Bible says, His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not straw. I reap where I sow not. Starting to feel good. Y'all are looking at me like, uh-oh. The second reason to reach is we get to reach into new places. Folks, there's some fields you didn't sow. There's some places you haven't been. But God says, I got a harvest there. I reap where I don't sow. He just needs laborers to go into the harvest. Matthew 25, verse 26 is part of a parable that Jesus taught. In this, par- in this parable, the master had gone away and given his servants talents or coins. Two servants used these talents and they, they got a gain for their master. But one servant buried his talent and, and when he revealed that and when he brought that talent back to the master, he received a very harsh reprimand and punishment. But this answer that the master gives in this parable exposes such an incredible truth that God reaps where he is not sown. There is a harvest in new places. Places we've never worked. Places we've never been. I know that there are people here that have worked hard to cultivate a harvest in your family. I know there are people here that have worked hard to cultivate a harvest in your family. I know that. But while you're waiting for that labor to ripen, and I believe with you for a harvest in your family this morning, I believe God wants to do that. But while you're waiting for that labor to ripen, why not reach out to the cashier at Walmart? Why not reach out to the waitress at your favorite restaurant? I've seen people go in a restaurant from Grace Church and the waitress knows you by name. Let me ask you this morning, have you ever shared the gospel? I knew it would be quiet for most of the service. Reach for the person standing beside you while you pump gas into your car or sitting beside you in the doctor's office. Folks, we are called to reach and to reach into the world, to reach them all. We might be a little shocked We might be a little intimidated to find out all of the new places that God has prepared you and God has prepared Grace Church to reach. There's going to be some places you're going to go. We're reaching those people. Brother Murphy, I'm not real sure. I want them kind of folks at my church. 
If you say that, I'm going to already, I'm going to tell you right now what's going to happen. I want everybody to listen. I've already seen it happen once. Pastor mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. I remember there was a man, he was a good man several, many, many years ago now. He said, if, if people of other colors ever start attending Grace Church, I'm quitting. And Pastor said, good. That's my kind of interpretation of what he said, understand. Bye-bye. Because if that's the kind of person you are, you're not going to fit at Grace Church. I just want to tell you. Because the gospel is for the world. It's for the world. We don't determine who Jesus saves. God does the calling. We just do the work out here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think it would be incredible. I think it would be a wonderful thing to have a harvest of souls from the homosexual community. I can't wait till they walk in the door and they come down here and we lay hands on them and they're filled with the Holy Ghost and they begin to speak with tongues. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. We gotta reach the world. We gotta reach the world. What happens if a Muslim walks in here with his headband on? We're gonna pray for him and God fills a Muslim with the Holy Ghost. It's the world. It's the world. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say, Brother Merrill, I don't know about that. You seem too excited about it. You're right, I am. Folks, God has got a much bigger picture and a much bigger plan than we see. I'm telling you, I can't wait till there's drug addicts sitting on the church seats. I wasn't going to say pews, but the chairs. I can't wait till there's drug addicts. How about some drug dealers? How about some ex-cons and some thieves and some murderers and some prostitutes and all of the other people that make up this big world that Jesus died for? Bible says, and such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wish somebody would get excited about reaching the world this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The world, as we all know, isn't normal anymore. Just read the news. The world isn't normal. Am I the only one that noticed that? So we're not going to be able to go out there and reach normal people. The husband, wife, two and a half kids. I don't know how they come up with average family has two and a half kids, but anyway. Don't know if I want to see the half a kid, but anyway. That may, that may happen in some, but it may not happen in all cases. Our world isn't normal, and we're not going to reach normal people, and we've got to think outside the box. We've got to be radical reachers. We've got to be radical reachers. When that person you can't stand on the job comes up and is talking something negative and something bad, just do it anyway. Say, I'm going to be a radical reacher and I'm going to bow up and say, God loves you, brother. Do you mind if I pray with you real quick right here on the job? 
Go ahead and do it. So if you get in trouble, God will work it out with the boss. In faith, I say that. I think each one of us should have a consistent world connect. I'm here to challenge us today, if you haven't figured that out. We should have a consistent world connect. We cannot get so caught up in the service to the kingdom that we forget the mission of the kingdom. We all need a place where we step out of our role that we fulfill on a typical service day and connect with unchurched people. I'm thankful for your service to the church. I'm thankful for your service to the kingdom. But we're sent to go into the world. Kerry Neewolf in his book, Nine Signs Your Church is Ready to Reach Unchurched People, quite a title. He said many Christian people say they want to reach the unchurched, but they don't actually know any well enough to invite them. So let me ask you a difficult question. Don't answer. How many unchurched people do you know? I love interchurch fellowship. It's one of the incredible things about church. And I, I'm not denouncing that. I think it's wonderful. It's healthy. You've got to have it. But we need to fellowship with the world too. Jesus did it. He didn't sin. I'm not talking about go do the bad things. I'm talking about find somebody that's unchurched, befriend them, and introduce them to Jesus Christ and let them know that you're just as normal or just about as normal as they are. We must reach beyond our comfort zone and our circle of influence and be a radical reacher. I mentioned waitresses and cashiers a while ago. One of the uh, there was a time I had an opportunity that passed me by before I really even realized I had it and I've, I've repented a hundred times of it. I remember going in a grocery store and then the cashier was checking me out and she said, uh, how are you today, sir? Brother Brian, guess what I said? I am fantastic. And I probably said it just like that. And she said, good Lord, man, what kind of drug are you on because I need some? What an opportunity to have shared the gospel. And I've repented a thousand times since then that I didn't take better advantage of it. All I simply said is I was on Jesus and I didn't take better advantage of that. But folks, we've got to reach out to people. When those opportunities come, we've got to step into the moment. Seize it, strike while the iron's hot, however you want to say it, and introduce them to Jesus Christ. I've got to hurry. Paul was, without a doubt, the greatest early church soul winner. He traveled from continent to continent preaching to whoever would give him audience. But if you ever wonder why Paul had to write over half of the New Testament while he sat in a prison cell, Paul wrote the Bible from prison. Am I right? Theologians. Why? Did Paul have to write from prison? Is it because God couldn't get him out of prison? No. You remember the story of Paul and Silas? 
They sang praises at midnight, and guess what happened? God got him out of prison, so God could do it. Why didn't he get him out of prison all the rest of the time so he can continue? Well, I think, says Merrill Murphy, that Paul was so passionate about winning people, he wouldn't stop winning people long enough to write the Bible. So every time God needed a book of the Bible written, he had to have him arrested and put in a jail where he couldn't reach anybody. That's kind of a stretch, isn't it? But hey, what would happen if we got so passionate, we got so intense, that no matter what happened, I'm going to reach today. I'm going to reach today. And if God wants me to do something else, even as even as important as writing the Bible, he's going to have to stop me from reaching somebody because I'm so passionate about the loss. What would the church look like? My goodness, what would the world look like if the church was that passionate about reaching the loss? Praise the Lord. The third reason is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power... After, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Reason number three to reach is there is power in reaching. There is power in reaching. There is a power that shows up that enables us to reach. We're going to get back to that statement in just a few minutes. But there is a power, the Bible says, that comes upon us. After you've gotten the Holy Ghost, there's a power that's going to come upon you that's going to enable you to reach. Mark chapter 16. Jesus promises, as we read earlier, that there are signs that will follow those and will accompany those that believe. And these signs, I believe, are for the benefit of new believers. But in Acts chapter 1, the Bible also promises not only signs to new believers, but to power. They promises power to those that go and preach to everyone. All right, it got quiet. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said there's power to witness. Power. To witness. There are signs for new believers, but there's power to those that go. In the phrases, ye shall receive power, and ye shall be witnesses, The word shall there is the same word used in Acts 2.38 when it says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This word shall does not mean maybe. This word shall is not hopefully. This word shall doesn't mean on rare occasion. It just means that it's going to happen. It will happen when you receive the Holy Ghost. You will get powerful and you will witness to somebody. The Holy Ghost today wants to empower some people. The Holy Ghost today wants to empower some people. This power is not for just those 
in authority of those in ministry, but it is for every one of us. It is the power to deliver. It is the power to heal. It is the power to meet every need and to fight every enemy. When we receive that power, God moves in our lives. And then we become witnesses of God and the power that he has. We have the power and we can reach. I remember, and I've told this story several times, and I'm really trying to hurry. You know those, that time that Brother Murphy's been racking up on Wednesday nights? I might, it's your time. I might need a few minutes this morning. But several years ago, Christy and I were at camp meeting. And there was a lady, there was these two elderly ladies sitting in front of us. And in the middle of the service, one of these ladies turned and looked at the other lady and says, I have a terrible headache. What would you do? Dig through the purse, grab some Tylenol here. You know what that other lady did? She didn't ask if she wanted it. She just took her hand and went and started praying. I'm like, look at this. Just a saint doing this to a saint. Wow. And about five minutes later, that lady that had the headache looked at the other one, tapped her on her arm again, and she looked at her and she said, my headache's gone. There's power that you can have this morning. You can lay hands on people. The Bible says it's a sign and they shall recover. So oftentimes we are convinced that we are weak. We are insufficient. We don't have the ability to witness or to reach out. We buy into all of that stuff that we don't know enough, Brother Merrill. I don't have enough experience. Our faith may be weaker. We have enough problems of our own. When you start reaching, you're going to hear some crazy stuff. I had somebody, honestly, one time, I wasn't going to mention this, but I will. Somebody in a home Bible study one time asked me if Adam and Eve had wings and could fly. I don't know. Don't care. If they had wings, fine. If they didn't, fine. I don't know. Don't care. You're going to hear crazy stuff. Don't worry about, well, I don't know enough. Yes, you do. You have a testimony that God has given you. It used to be called a past, but now you can tell them about what God's done. Hallelujah. Say, Brother Merrill, I've got enough issues in life. I'm too busy. I've got enough going on. I don't feel all that powerful that you're, like you're talking about. But this is not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that there is a power that shall come upon you after you've received the Holy Ghost. It's there. We just got to tap into it. And we shall become witnesses. And we can lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. We can pray for the miraculous. And it will happen. Because God can do it. God can do it. And he wants to use you to reach. If you'll stand with me this morning. The reasons to reach is because we can reach forward to that place where we're not yet imperfect. Do away with our past and use it as a testimony. We can reach into new places to reap a harvest that God's planted. We may not have done it as places we've never been. Maybe 
it's outside the box a little bit. But there's souls out there that God has ripened for a harvest if we'll go get them. And the third reason that I presented this morning is because there's power in reaching. And there's people here this morning, as much as I've talked about reaching the world, the world is reaching for you. There's people here this morning, I know for a fact the world is reaching you. It's reaching for you with all that it can. The temptation the desires, all of that stuff. It's reaching hard to try to win you over. But there's a power that comes from God that enables us to turn the tide on the world and begin to reach for it. Instead of the world reaching for us, we begin to reach for it. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. When they were singing this morning, He is here. Again, I love that song. It was talking about the burdens to come lay them down. God wants to replace somebody's burden here this morning with power. He wants to replace somebody's past with a testimony. The thing that's plaguing your mind, the thing that's plaguing your spirit, whether it's a physical sickness, a emotional, relational, whatever it is, God has showed up this morning and he wants to take that from you and replace it with power because he wants you to witness to the world. And it's really hard for us as Christian people to witness when we're burdened down with so many things. We have financial problems and We have health problems and we have this problem and that problem. And so as we stand in the line at Walmart, guess what's on our mind? Our problem. And we don't think to reach. But today, for somebody, God wants to take those burdens off of you. And he wants to replace them with power. You say, Brother Merrill, I've never never even experienced the power that you're talking about. Perfect. I'm glad you're here today because God wants to empower you today. Jesus, several times in the Bible, records that he would heal somebody And he would touch them and they would be healed and he would say, now don't tell anybody this. Y'all remember the stories I'm talking about. But don't tell anybody this. And in every case where he said that, the Bible says, but they went and they noised it abroad. They told everybody. You just can't keep that back. I believe Jesus healed them because he knew they were blabbermouths. And I believe he knew that they were going to tell somebody what Jesus did, did for me. What he just did. I believe he knew that. So if this morning 
In just a moment, we're going to open the altars. I'm telling you, God's not done today. We experienced something wonderful a while ago, but God's not done. If, if you knew that Jesus would heal you or deliver you, whatever the case is from the circumstances, whatever it is today, whatever you need, I want to take all the parameters off and just say whatever it is that God wants to do for you. Who would you tell about it? Maybe God is waiting for you to come down here today so he can minister to you because he knows that you're a blabbermouth and that you can't help it. But to go out there and say, tomorrow at work, you're going to be excited. Co-workers will say, man, what's wrong with you? You're bouncing all over the place. I got to tell you what happened. (laughs) Jesus, guess what he did yesterday? He healed me of some kind of a horrible disease or he delivered my family or he saved my cousin and my brother or my son and my daughter. I want to tell you this morning, what would we say if Jesus ministered? Maybe that's all he's waiting on is for us to be willing to blab the news. So I want us to come to the front this morning. With our minds open and say, God, whatever you do for me today, I'm going to tell somebody tomorrow. Because I'm going to change this burden into power. I'm going to take this sickness and convert it into power, into a testimony, and tell them, guess what God did in my past and changed my future. Would you come this morning, everybody? Our guest, everybody, would you come this morning and let's let God minister to you. Would you open your hearts and minds and say, God, you know the problem, you know the sickness, but I'm releasing it to you right now. And if you'll heal me right now, I'm going to tell somebody tomorrow about it. I'm going to go into the world.